0: I believe that God has a miracle for you today. God's blessing is going to touch you, and every good thing that God has for you is beginning to overtake you. Can you shout, Amen? Praise the Lord. I see God's hand coming upon you in a new and a fresh measure. Praise God. Before we jump into today's message, let us first honor the Lord by putting the Lord first and bringing the holy tithes and offerings into the storehouse of God. You know, it says in the book of Job, chapter 1, verse 3, it says that Job was the greatest of all the people of the East. Now, that is speaking of the greatness of his financial strength. So, he was the greatest person financially of the East. Job, chapter 42, verse 12, says that the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning, for he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. And of course, he would have had a fleet of workers to take care of this vast livestock enterprise. So in many ways, Job would have been like the greatest car dealer of his generation, if you wanted to buy a vehicle and you wanted to shop around and you wanted variety, you wanted the greatest variety to choose from, then you would go to Job's dealership because he had thousands and thousands of selections that you could choose from for your desert transportation. Praise God! So God is the one that lifted Job up. The Bible actually says, "The Lord blessed." Job. So his success was directly linked and attributed to God's blessing, God's hand upon his life. You know, back in the late 1970s, something very interesting happened in Nigeria when T.L. Osborne and his wife Daisy were ministering at Benson Idahosa's church. They stayed longer than their required time to catch an air flight, because they kept preaching and ministering, and so when the meeting was finally over, Benson Idahosa put T.L. Osborne and his wife, put him in the car, and drove his big Mercedes Benz as fast as he could to the airport. I like Benson Idahosa. He was a real uh, pace setter. He's in many ways known as the father of Pentecostalism in the, the continent of Africa. And he's also one of the very first preachers that began to preach that God wants you blessed financially. Matter of fact, when he started off in ministry, he was an assistant pastor. And he went out one day and bought a motorcycle. And it so upset the senior pastor that the senior pastor excommunicated Benson Idahosa from the church because of the motorcycle well Benson Idahosa did not take offense but he went and started his own ministry and then would you believe it one day later on when that pastor who excommunicated him when that pastor needed to his get his wife to the hospital because of an emergency situation he actually drove her on that very motorcycle he had come to see that the blessings of god are for the believers so uh, Benson Idahosa was a wonderful man of God so he's driving TL and Daisy Osborne to the airport as quickly as they can go because they're going to try to catch their flight out of uh, Nigeria and get the connecting flight to Johannesburg then on the France then on the England and finally back to America you know back in those days the planes didn't have the range or the ability to cover the distance that many of the jets do today. You can go around the world today uh, with just one stop on these large jets, but you couldn't do it back then. So they're rushing to the airport, and when they get there, Benson, Idahosa is informed that the plane is full, there's no seats left, and not only that, the plane has actually pulled back from the gate, and is on the tarmac, and it's uh, getting ready to make its, uh, you know, route out to the uh, runway so it can take off. So Benson Idahosa jumps in his car with uh, TL and Daisy in the vehicle also, stomps on the gas pedal, and takes the car out on the the, uh, tarmac area. Now, when you're the most well-known minister in a nation, on a continent you can get away and do things like that he was also the first preacher in Africa that was on television so he was famous everybody knew who he was and so he gets out of the tarmac with his car and pulls it up in front of the jet and waves his hands and you know the pilot stops the jet and, uh, you know, they, they have to reopen the door and all of that stuff. And uh, he says, I've got two people, a man of God and his wife. They have got to get on this airplane. And the pilot said, you know, the plane's full. That, we, we, can't, we can't do this. And he said, please let me come on the plane and explain the situation. And so he goes on board the plane. The pilot allows him to do it. And he gives an announcement to everybody on this plane. There are two people a man of God and his wife that must be on this plane. They are on God's assignment. They have got to get on this airplane. So two people need to give up their seats. And as the story goes, people on the plane were agitated because they're wanting to leave and take off. And some people on the plane were acting like they were asleep. And they didn't hear what Benson Idaho was saying. And he, he gave the invitation and there was no response. And he pleaded and gave, and gave it again. And at the very back of the plane, a young man stands up and he motions to the person next to him and says, Get up. And they both get up and they start walking down the aisle towards Benson uh, Idahosa. And so he says to him, Benson Idahosa says, Young man, what is your name and what do you do? He said, My name is Aliko Dangote, and this is my assistant. I am a trader, a businessman. And, you know, it was then that Benson Idahosa spoke a prophetic blessing over this young man's life, and basically he said, because you have gotten up for the kingdom, for the Lord, so that these two, these two can get on the plane, because you've gotten up, this is what he said, he said, the world will get up for you. He said, my God will bless you. God will take you and your business beyond Africa, and bless you beyond measure. Isn't that amazing? And as that young man got off the plane, Benson Idahosa was weeping and crying, and then T.L. Osborne and Daisy got onto the plane, took their seats. Today, Dan Gote is the richest man in Africa. With Forbes magazine estimating his financial worth, at $12 billion American dollars. Amazing. You know what? I believe God gives opportunities for wealth and breakthrough. But we as the people of God, we have to respond. I don't believe Job's success is just something that, you know, was, he, he fumbled his way into. I believe it was intentional. I believe when you read Job chapter 28, Job chapter 30, and you see the heart of Job, his heart for God, his heart for giving, and Job, Job talked about the time that he rescued orphans, that he rescued widows from debt collectors, he had a kingdom heart, and when you put the Lord first, you'll have unusual opportunities come in your life, and all it takes is a blessing from the Lord, remember, it says, the Lord blessed Job and I believe that blessing that was on Benson, Idaho, so that, that anointing to speak a prophetic blessing over that young man, I believe it's no accident today that that young man is now 60 years old and the wealthiest man on the continent. So if you have a heart for God's kingdom and even God's ministers, I believe that God really will move you to the top. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You know, it's amazing what God will do. Um, You know, it was a couple of weeks ago, and I, I didn't really think about that I had said it. I think in what I was doing, I was preaching a message, and I was basically saying like a cell phone has to be charged up. We need to be charged up with faith. You need to stay in the Word. And I just made a passing statement, not even really thinking about it. But I made a statement that my cell phone and my wife's cell phone, we have to keep them plugged in all the time because they're so old that the batteries are dying. Oh, the phones are still working, but the, the batteries have gotten so old that, you know, it's just they're, they're old phones. And you know what? Somebody, somebody heard me say that. And they, this person just sent me a personal check, not to the ministry. To me, a personal check in the mail so that I can go out and me and my wife can go out and buy brand new cell phones. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting that somebody would hear that and they would think, Oh, Pastor Stevens' phone is getting so old he's got to recharge it all the time? I'm gonna buy him a new phone. See, that that's God touching somebody's heart. I'm not trying to drop hints, I'm not even thinking about this stuff, I'm just preaching. But somebody heard that, and they saw opportunity to be a blessing. And you know what? I was in the bathroom today, and I was getting ready for the uh, sermon that I'm going to preach to you. And you know what the Lord said to me? He he just brought that, that woman up before me that sent that gift in, not to the ministry, but to me, so that me and my wife can go out and buy each a new phone. The Lord spoke to me just as clear as day. And said, because she has done that, I am opening a new line of communication in her life from me to her. You know what one of the greatest desires of her heart has always been? To hear from God. <laughs> right? And so when she she blesses me and my wife with a phone, she has no idea she's touched something of the God realm, and now God is going to bless her communication line, because she has blessed our natural ability to communicate through cell phones, interesting do you like my tie today, I wish you could see my shoes, I've got some new shoes on, I've got a new tie on do you know that some people, they won't watch my messages, do you know why because I wear the same tie twice and if they see the same tie or the same shirt twice you know what they think they think he's just it's the same message I've already heard it even though it's a brand new message if I wear the same tie or the same shirt more than once there are a ton of people they'll skip it why they don't recognize their message they recognize what I'm wearing and they won't listen to it because they think they've already heard it you like my tie somebody bought this for me somebody bought my shoes I didn't ask for it, somebody was just touched by God and said, you know what, I'm going to be a blessing to Pastor Steve, uh, look, another businesswoman, this just sent me a gift card to one of these uh, cl- wonderful clothing stores in Charlotte, and I went, just got, got the things that I needed, praise God, and yet this person's business is, is, ex- is expanding by the grace of God, hmm, is international by the grace of God, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Job's wealth was not accidental. The richest man, the businessman in Africa, his, his financial empire is not accidental. Praise the Lord. Mm. The blessing that God put on Benson Idahosa, not accidental. Did you know that he built a hospital in Africa that cost over 100 million US dollars? And he he raised it up without any outside money. That's all African money. Woo! Glory. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I remember that Bishop Oyedepo in Nigeria told the story that one day, Benson Idahosa invited uh, Brother Oyedepo over to his house. And uh, Benson Idahosa had been traveling out doing some meetings and had just gotten back. And he had a sack full of cash, and uh, Idahosa says to the young man Oyedipo, he says, reach your hand into the bag and take as much as you want, and Bishop Oyedipo said, as a young man said, he said, no, I don't want to do that, and you know, Idahosa being a very, you know, uh, um, bold man said, what? He said, are you telling me that you don't want any money? And Oyedipo said, he said, no, that's not what I'm saying. He said, I want to know how you get it. I want to know what principles are you operating on that allows you to have a sack full of cash. You've got so much money, you, you, you allow people to stick their hand into it and take whatever they want, and you still have plenty left over. What, what, what kind of rules are you flying by here? Ah, See, when you work kingdom principles, you can never go down, which is why Because Bishop Oyedepo learned those principles, even though today Idahosa is gone, Oyedepo is still prospering. Because if Idahosa was his source, and Idahosa leaves, then it's over with for Oyedepo if he's relying upon him. But when you tap into the principles, now you learn it, now you got it, now you've got it coming in. Glory to God. See, that's what God's going to do. If you will put God first and work his system. Work his principles that blessing will touch your life hmm what would you have done if you were to been on the airplane come on prepare your heart because some kind of opportunity will arise and I'm not saying it's going to be on the airplane because a million to one it probably won't be but what if you were on that airplane that day would you have been the one that got up well I pastor Stephen I I can't afford to miss my connecting flight nobody can But somebody, somebody saw divine opportunity, and they sure reaped. Hallelujah. I believe that God is giving these opportunities. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Father, I speak blessing over your people today. Let them catch every divine opportunity that would present itself. Now, we thank you that because they walk in the power of the cross, the crucified life. That when those moments of selflessness come forth, they will respond. When others can't, because others are walking in the flesh, they will respond, and they will reap the blessing. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. Say amen. Praise God. Now, if you're going to mail in your tithes and offerings, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 3456. Again, that's P.O. Box 3456. Mooresville, North Carolina, North Carolina. Our zip code 28117. If you're going to bring them in online, please go to the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There is a link on the homepage called Tides and Offerings, Sow and Reap, and you can go there right now and bring them in into the storehouse of God. Praise God. Your increase is not accidental. It's intentional. God's bringing it to you through His mighty blessing. What does it mean to be blessed? It means to be empowered, to prosper. And that empowerment, that blessing, touches you now. Glory. Glory to God. Hallelujah. More than enough. Tremendous, tremendous overflow in your life. Praise the Lord. Well, let's take our Bibles today and go to Mark chapter 8. The Gospel of Mark. Mark's Gospel is my favorite Gospel out of the four. I like Matthew, and I like Luke, and I I love John, but my favorite, hands down, has always been the Gospel of Mark, and we're going to be camping out today, talking about a taste of Heaven. Woo! Mmm! Enjoying Heaven now, while you're here on Earth. Mark chapter 8, verse 22. Praise the Lord. I believe something is going to break in your life today. There's going to be release in your life today, and you're going forward with great expectancy into the unfolding plan of God that He has for you. Praise the Lord. Father. As we go into Your Word that Your Holy Spirit come now and quicken it with mighty power and revelation. We thank You that the sword of the Spirit is working today. In Jesus' name, I see God's Word working like a machete. Uh, when, when a person goes through the jungle, they're trekking through the jungle, trying to go somewhere for the first time. There is no path. They take the machetes, and they're chopping down the vines and the small trees, and they're making a path through. The Word of God is cutting all this stuff out of the way, all of these entanglements, so that you can go through into your land of blessing. Hallelujah. Mark chapter 8, verse 22. Then he, that would be Jesus, came to Bethsaida. And they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. Why in the world would he do that? I mean, why do all the extra walking? It's hot. We're going to sweat. There's no shade, no clouds. Why do we have to walk for a mile? Why can't we just do it here? Well, when you're in an atmosphere of unbelief and doubt and skepticism, and there's not a base around you of support, you need need to go somewhere where you can operate in your gifting and your calling. Sometimes preachers say, I want to go where I'm celebrated, not where I'm tolerated. There's a truth to that, because even Jesus could not operate in his full gifting in the town of Nazareth. And if Jesus couldn't flow the way he wanted to, trust me, we all can be subject to environments of doubt and unbelief. So, preferably, you want to get on your turf, which is God's turf, or even get a place of neutrality so that you can be out from underneath an umbrella of hatred, division, and all of this stuff that, where there's people that have no interest in God. Look, if if people want to go to hell, they can go to hell. God gave them that choice. Praise God. But you know what? For those who respond to the message of life, and for those enough of us who have enough sense to say, hey, we want to go to heaven. We're not into eternal damnation and torment. Well, that, that's not our, we're just not into that. Okay? Then God is making a way for you. Praise the Lord. So, Jesus actually took uh, the man and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. Now, why in the world would Jesus uh, you know do this act of spitting and uh, th- this, is, this is very unusual what's going on here the, the best way I can say it is that when the Holy Spirit gives you an instruction to do it a certain way you either do it that way and it works or you do it your way and it won't work because a lot of times our intellect can get in the way I've had the Lord say uh, to me when I've been ministering before, stand here when you minister to the people. Well, what's the difference between, you know, my my natural mind can go, you know, well, what's the difference between standing there and standing here? I mean, what, what does that matter? It matters because that's what the Lord says to do. So all it is really is obedience of faith. If God says, look, let's get some clay and some spit and put it on his eyes, just do it. This, this is not a formula. This is just an, an act of obedience, of faith, and doing what God wants to do. Praise the Lord. And Jesus did that. So after he's done it, he put his hands on him. He asked him if he saw anything, and he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Wow. So this mighty anointing. Look, Jesus was filled with the Spirit. Without measure. You can't pump the Holy Spirit any more into a person than what Jesus had it. There is nobody, there never will be more anointed than Jesus. And so when Jesus lays his hands on this man and there's still not yet a full manifestation, please, you don't have to ever apologize for praying twice or three times over a person. Hallelujah. Jesus actually prayed twice over this man. And I believe this man coming out of a cold atmosphere of doubt and unbelief. Mm. Maybe I could even say it like this. I'll try to play it safe. Maybe this man belonged to one of these mainline denominations that doesn't believe in modern day miracles maybe all of his life he sat in a dead cold church and they told him oh God doesn't move anymore today God doesn't answer prayer he's just some kind of intergalactic cosmic being that sits on a throne and hits people over the head with a hammer and lightning bolts so watch out and try to behave and do the best you can but but no my friends, God is real, God answers prayer, God does miracles, and sometimes when people come out of these cold, dead environments, it takes them a little while to thaw out. Oh, I know what I'm talking about. I sat for years in a church where the preacher, uh, you know, it was just like, God doesn't do this, God don't do that, God doesn't heal, God doesn't bless, and we were all sitting there sick. All sitting there, not blessed. We loved the Lord, but we just didn't have a lot of revelation. We didn't have a lot of joy, and so if somebody would have actually walked in and said, "God heals today," we would have thrown him out the church. And thought the whole time we would have done it, we would have thought we were defending the truth. In reality, we we would have been defending ignorance. Praise the Lord. So this man. Receiving this mighty anointing from Jesus. He's still having, he, he's having a challenge with it because of what he has come out of, the atmosphere of what he has been out, what he has formerly being, been in. Mmm. Praise God. Wow. You really need to be careful about the teaching that you sit under. You need to be careful about what you allow to come into your spirit. If you hear the wrong report, you will begin to believe it, even though you may, uh, I don't know about that, but if you keep hearing it, you keep hearing it, you can even believe and convince yourself of a lie, okay, so my friends, we want to be very careful of the atmospheres that we create around us, and we want to walk close to the Lord, verse 25, then he put his hands on his eyes again, Jesus prayed twice, for the same purpose, for the same man, and made him look up, and he was restored, and saw everyone clearly. Then he sent him away to his house, saying, Neither go into the town, nor tell anyone in the town. Oh, Pastor Stephen, no, 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 we need to go back in there. We need to be a witness. We need to go there and testify. I, I, I need to help some of you that are a little spiritually wet behind the ears. There's some churches... They don't want to know the truth. And even if you raise 50 people from the dead, right in front of them, took them to the morgue, and saw dead person after dead person get up, they still, they're, they're not going to accept it. It's not about truth. It's not about evidence. It's not about we want what's right. No, they, they just want their tradition. And they don't want anybody to interrupt it, not even God. Hmm, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So, Jesus said, don't go into the town, nor tell anyone in the town. And if you were to try to do it, they would rain on your blessing. Jealous, envious, oh, he just tricked you. You were never blind in the first place. You were fooling us all those years. It doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter if you have doctor's reports this thick. They're not going to go for it. So, you take the blessing. After all, the blessing is for you. You take your blessing, you enjoy it, and you go on. You go on, hallelujah. Go on into the light. Go further with your walk with God. Well, Pastor Stephen, what about them? I don't want to leave them. That's my hometown. You have to just trust them to the Lord, but you have to go on. And if you go back there, you're probably going to lose the blessing that you got. Then that old devil will come and try to put it back on you. And then the next thing you know, you'll be like right back with them. And the light that you had will be lost. So walk with the Lord and continue on with the Lord. Verse 27, now Jesus and his disciples went out of the towns of Caesarea, Philippi. And on the road he asked his disciples, saying to them, who do men say that I am? So they answered, John the Baptist. But some say, Elijah. And others, one of the prophets. But he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Who? This is Peter's moment to shine. This is time for Peter to drop the revelation glory bomb that he has received. He already knows. He already really knows who Jesus truly is, he knows his real identity. Peter answered and said to him, You are the Christ. In other words, you're the Messiah. You're the one that Moses said would come, that God would raise a prophet up like me, a leader for the whole nation. He, Peter knew this is Jesus. He's the Messiah. He's the one that all the prophets, whether it's Moses or David, all of those guys were prophesying about this coming man, the Messiah, and this is him, Jesus. So he said, he said, you are the Christ. Then he strictly warned them that they should tell no one about him. And he began to teach them that the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. Now, Peter already has in his heart a false agenda going on. And some of it, we can't, we can't be hard on Peter. We have to understand the culture and the time of oppression in which God's people were living. When you visit the land of Israel and you go to certain sites, whether it's Bet Shin or other places or Caesarea by the sea or certain locations, you, you get an unusual feeling. You start to feel like, why do I feel like I'm in Europe? Why, although I'm in the Middle East and I'm in Israel, why does it feel like I'm walking around Italy because of the Romans? And the Roman conquest had spread far and wide. And the Romans have, had subjugated that part of the world under Roman rule and even were taxing people that far from Rome and had military bases that far from Rome. And so it was a very complex organization. But Peter and others, they were like, we know that when the Messiah comes, he's going to overthrow. These invaders and the Messiah is going to drive out the Romans. He's going to put everything in order. And best of all, because Jesus is the Messiah, we're going to be ruling and reigning with him. I'm going to be the next general, Peter. I'm going to be the five star general. And uh, Thomas, if you behave, we're going to make you a lieutenant. And James and John, you guys, you're doing pretty good. We'll probably make you a three star general. But Peter, the gears are already turning. This man is the, the Messiah, and I'm sticking with him because he's going to the top, and we're going to go to the top with him. Mm-mm. Now watch that, watch this, because right after Peter releases the revelation, the Lord starts talking about his death, and Peter's like, "No, no, this is not this, this is the way. This is not going to happen." And so you know what's coming. Mm-mm. Peter spoke this, uh, excuse me, Jesus spoke this word openly about being, about being killed and put to death and ri- rising three days later. He spoke this word openly. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Mm-hmm. We get to watch it back on DVD when we go to heaven. I'm going to want to see this. But when he had turned around and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter saying, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Wow. So everything that Peter was wanting, it was going to pan out completely different. They didn't understand that this kingdom that was coming, first of all, has to come into the hearts. This is an interior work that God is doing. Oh, there will be a day when the kingdom of God reigns over the whole world, literally and physically, but it wasn't time for that, and they didn't understand it. Verse 34, when he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Suddenly, this doesn't sound so popular anymore. The former grandiose ideas of marching into Jerusalem and overthrowing Herod and driving out the Romans, uh, this doesn't seem like this is going to ha- how it's going to be able to work out. This doesn't seem very glorious. This doesn't seem very vibrant. Uh, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Oh, Oh, Jesus, wow, what are, what are you talking about? So, he lays it all down. Now, keep everything that we're looking at here in context. The revelation of who Jesus really is, the Christ. Upon that revelation, Jesus is going right into the reality. Glad you know that. You need to know this. I'm going to die. Before I die, I'm going to be brutally mistreated. Then I'm going to die. After I'm dead, I'm going to be raised back up three days later. And then... Peter saying, "No, no, 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 no," knowing that Satan is working through Peter to try to get Jesus off assignment, off the God-given mandate. Jesus rebuking Satan, uh, Satan, and getting Peter straightened out. Also, goes now into this flow of how to have the full expression of God's kingdom in your life. Please don't miss this nor the context. Of what the Holy Spirit is revealing praise God Jesus said whoever desires to come after me let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me for whoever desires to save his life will lose it what does that mean if you're trying to save your life you're going to lose it that's your self-life your your selfish ambition your plans your plans to say God this is what I'm doing Even if you don't want me to, I'm doing it anyhow. Mm. Jesus says, if you try to save your life, what you think is right and what you think is best, and you have no interest in God's plan for your life, and you're unyielding and unwilling to to follow the Lord, then he said, you're going to lose your life. Mm. Listen to this. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's Will save it. So you're basically willing to say, Lord, look, I'll do whatever you want me to do in life. I believe I have some insight, some plans. Lord, I know what I like. But Lord, I want you to know that I'm willing to lay it all down according to what you want me to do. I'll work where you want me to work. I'll live where you want me to live, and I don't care where it's at. Mm -hmm. See, if you're willing to lose your life your selfish life, all your plans, and, you know, if you're willing to lose all of that, then you'll find the real life. Mm. Praise God. Verse 37, Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? I don't envy anybody, no matter how successful they are in the world, who's lost and doesn't know Jesus. You can have billions and billions and billions of dollars, but if you don't know the Lord and you die in your sins, you're lost and separated from God for all eternity. And where you're going is hot, hot, hot. Mm -hmm. You, you You know where that's at. Praise the Lord. Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Amazing. For whoever is ashamed of me, and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation. <clears throat> of him the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Now we have a chapter break, and we go into verse 1. And what you're about to read, the reason it has been so misunderstood is that in the original language there was no chapter break. There were no chapters no verses. So let's continue in context what the Lord was saying. And he said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that there are some standing here who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God present with power. Then, if they were going to start a new chapter, now is when they could now's when they should start a new chapter but they tried to start it right in the middle of a context message that the Lord was saying, and has caused a lot of people to misunderstand what the Lord meant. The Lord is talking about losing your life, you'll find it. Keep your life, you'll lose it in the end. You want to follow me? Good. Take up your cross daily, and come after me and follow me remember that's the meaty context of what's going on Mm. the heart of the gospel even for the Messiah is the cross always keep that central praise the Lord and he said to them assuredly I say to you that there are some standing here okay so that means there are people that are standing around him listening to what he's saying physically who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God present with power. Amazing statement. I've never read a commentary yet that got it right. Because I believe, just like Peter getting a revelation that Jesus is the Messiah, I believe truth that actually works for you, it has to come by revelation. Revelation. Hidden knowledge is good. You need hidden knowledge. You need to know how to push the right button on the elevator so you can go up. And then when you want to come down, you need, you, you need understanding. You need to be able to get, get along in life. But there are some areas where you need victory. You're never going to get victory until you gain things by revelation. It's things that God reveals to you that you're like, oh, I got that from the Lord. And those are the things that put you over in life. A lot of the other stuff you can figure out. <laughs> you can just read, you know, but other things, they have to come by revelation. So, let's, let's talk about this. There are some standing here who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God present with power. Okay, here's the way most people translate this or interpret this. There's people standing here. They're not going to die until Jesus goes through the cross experience he's crucified raised up from the dead three days after that and then when the kingdom of God is then coming forth and manifesting uh, coming forth and so forth then anybody standing around here then you're good to die then you can finally die but that doesn't really make any sense because really the Lord's already getting close to the cross okay so this is not like a long period of time before He's actually fulfilling what He's called to do. So, I don't think we're looking at something of a time window of Jesus saying, there's some people standing here, two or three years later, they're still going to be alive when the kingdom of God comes with power. Yep, you just watch. You give me a year and a half. You just watch after i raised from the dead. You'll still see that some of these live through it. And they're still here with me. That's not what He's saying. Oh, oh, I know what it is, Pastor Stephen. What's going to happen is that there are some, they're never going to die, some who were standing there. And today they're still alive somewhere. We don't know where they're at. Maybe they're up on top of a mountain. Maybe they're down in the valley hiding somewhere in the cave. But there's some people still alive who. They were standing that day, that there that day with Jesus, and they're still alive, hidden away until the kingdom of God comes with power, and then, then they're going to jump out of their cave, and they're going to say, see there, yep, we never died, we've been here the whole time, yep, been alive for 2,000 years, I'm feeling good. <laughs> That's not either what it's talking about. Hmm, mm. Remember the context. Remember the, the meat of what we're into here. Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. What is the cross? It's the instrument of death. And it it's the instrument by which you die. Okay, now watch this. And he said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, that there are some standing here who will not taste death What does that mean? They like their life too much, and they're never going to lay it down. They're not going to take up the cross. They're not really convinced about all of this, until they see the kingdom of God present with power. And when they see the kingdom of God present with power, they're like, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to start to die the way that God wants me to. I'm going to start to take up my cross, and I'm going to start to taste death daily. Why why would somebody choose to do that? They are lured into it by seeing the power of God and saying, you know what? I want in on that. And if I've got to die to my old stuff, if I've got to lay this down finally... It's dying. I can't take it anymore. I want in on the kingdom, and I'm tired of looking on the outside. I'm fed up with it. I'm ready to die. Where's my cross? I'm dying today. I'm going to start tasting death on a daily basis. Hmm. Praise the Lord. It's interesting, the, the Christian culture in America. Let me, let me see if I can explain this in a nice way. In Christendom in America, I can't speak for other countries. I'll speak for my home, my home country. Those of you living in other nations, you, you can kind of figure it out uh, according to what the climate is in your country. Here's the climate in America. You can have a, you can have a minister in America who maybe becomes well-known because he has a large church. That's good. That's wonderful. He has a large church. If you have a large church... And maybe you're cool. You have the right look. So they have the right look, you have to wear skinny jeans. Uh, maybe you have to start lifting weights a little bit. They, they want you to look cool. You, usually, even if you're 50, they want you to look like you're 30. So you've kind of got to let that culture mold you into this image that they're wanting. And if you begin to fit that image, then you'll start to get invitations. And you can go out and you become a popular speaker. And then you begin to speak on the circuit or the tour of the famous conferences. And you go out and you walk up. Look, look, this is all you have to do. As a preacher, you walk up. You, you have to be real cool. You have to dress the way they want you to look. And you can't say anything about sin or conviction or the Holy Spirit. But just come up and give a cool message. Oh, look, look, only talk for 30 minutes. Don't go an hour. You can't hold them that long. Talk for 30 minutes everybody's happy walk off the stage you're done they give you an honorarium for thirty thousand dollars and that's it and you do that every weekend that's what you do you're 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 the you're the famous speaker and that's it you you don't even lay any hands on people and they don't want you to you know why because if it doesn't work it's embarrassing not only that most of them can't flow in the anointing They, they they don't know how So, just walk up, give a nice talk, walk off, and you're done. Why die? Why the cross? We're having fun. It's going to change. You know why? Because the kingdom of God with power, demonstrated with power, is so delicious, is so magnanimous, it is so glorious and beautiful, that man's best efforts Pale to it and when God really begins to move in power and it's starting to come through I, I have to speak to the system that's structured and in order right now you're going to come to a fork in the road and you're going to see the power and you're going to realize I don't have it I don't have it I can give a nice talk but over there blind eyes are opening over there, I know that person was deaf. Now they can hear. Uh, we're hearing amazing reports. And you know what? We can't do that. What, wh- why can't they do that? Because there's no cross. If you want to move in the power, there's a cross. There's a cross. And the cross has been absent from Western Christianity for too long. And it's why we now have a gospel with no power. Why is there no power? We've lost our taste for death. Pastor Stephen, I'm, try, I'm trying to follow you. Okay, what Jesus is saying here, surely I say to you that there are some standing here who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God present with power. Hey, what, what made Thomas finally say, I've had it with my doubting and unbelief and questioning God and dropping my little one-liners about Jesus, oh, yeah, yeah let's all go to Jerusalem, and let's just all die with him. And Thomas one day said, I've had it, I've fed up with these things in my life of powerlessness, I've seen Jesus manifest it, I've seen him demonstrate it, I've seen him operate in it, now he's raised from the dead, and he's appearing to my brethren, I've had it, I want in on it. He's appeared before me. I'm willing to sell out now. I want to start tasting death. Why? So I can walk in apostolic authority and power. And he, he dove in all the way. And his legacy remains. I've been to his gravesite in India. There's markers with all the lepers who were healed. There's markers listing the number of all the blind people healed by his ministry. He was the apostle to India and many other places as well. China, even Pakistan. Woo! He had some legs. Even Iraq. Oh my goodness. Mm. What caused Thomas to finally say, see, he was one of the ones standing there. Jesus said, there are those standing here around me. that Until you see the power come forth, stronger and stronger you're not willing to taste to death yet you're not willing to take up your cross and die you still got too much of your own self Mm. God's going to make some of you righteously jealous because you're going to see the weak You're going to see the frail. You're going to see those that lean on the Lord who couldn't figure it all out, who didn't have the brilliant IQ, who didn't have all of the natural gifting. You're going to see them lean on the Lord, tap into the power, embrace the cross, and they're going to rise up. They're going to move in power, and it's going to make others jealous. They're going to say, we can't do that. No, you can't, unless you want the cross also. mm mm Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. How do you taste death daily? You want it on the power, the kingdom of God. Let me first say this. The more you taste death, the more the power of the kingdom is manifested in your life. The more you taste death, the more you experience life. Praise the Lord. Every time you pray, you taste death. You taste the death of the cross, why your flesh does not ever want to pray i've never I've been on this planet for over fifty years i've never had one day in my Christian life when my flesh just felt like praying let's go pray now my spirit does, but my flesh is always like let's watch TV let's go do something it's a sunny day let's do anything but pray no, every time you pray. Your carnal man gets a good taste of the cross and the more you taste death the more the power of the kingdom of God invades your life the more you give the more you just extend the blessing of which God has blessed you the more you taste death because natural man says oh don't give you're you're decreasing anytime you give but God says so and you will reap But the natural man says, no, cling, hold on to it, hold on to it. Let's protect what little we have. But you take up the cross, you take up the cross, and you know, Lord, I know that I'm supposed to give in this offering. Lord, show me what to do, and I will obey you. What is that? You're tasting death, that the life of God might come more strongly into your life. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Anytime you fast, you are tasting the power of the cross. You're tasting death. Nobody in their right mind says fasting is just so much fun. Fasting is the crucifixion of the flesh nature. The old soulish nature that says, me first. It dies when times of prayer and fasting are incorporated into your life and every time you do that what's going on you're tasting death and more of the power of the kingdom begins to engulf your life hallelujah and the more that flows in the more you want the things of God the more you want God's agenda hallelujah praise God you read the word you read the word and your flesh says it's boring Your intellect says this is boring I'd rather read something else give me something that's got some pictures or something anything but the Bible I don't want to read the Bible but my friends the more you read the Word and wash your mind with the clean water of the Word Mm. even as David said in Psalm 19 the fear of the Lord is clean And when you wash your mind with the Word of God, you're cleansing yourself with the Word, your thought patterns, your thought life. Praise God. But your flesh may not want to read when you first sit down in that chair. Oh, it might want to read the newspaper. It'll let you read the newspaper for three hours. and won't bother you one bit. But if you tried to read the Bible, Oh, I can't stay awake, Pastor Steve. When I read the Bible, I fall asleep. What's going on when you're pressing in? You're tasting death. And the more you taste death, what happens is your life gets so blessed that others around you look at you, and you know what they'll do? They'll say, you know what? I'm tired of living in sin. I know I'm saved, but the life I'm living is not pleasing to God. I know that there's more that God has. I know that there's power. I know that there's promises, but I know that I, I need to yield And I need to take up my cross. I need to embrace the full gospel, not just the fun gospel. Hmm. See, I love the message of grace. Can I be honest with you for a moment? I love the message of grace. And I know without a shadow of a doubt that God has raised up great men and women to teach the message of grace. It's their calling, it's their gifting. But I want to say this I can teach the message of grace with no anointing, really because it's so good it's just, it's just wonderful to hear but those messages are easy to preach it's not like I really need in a sense to really pray and study to preach those messages but if you want to not only minister the word but then step off the platform and go down and put your hands on the people different anointing you have to be able to have preparation for that praise the Lord Glory to God. Catherine Kuhlman said it so grieved her when she went to a conference of a certain man, very well-known American minister, and he began to preach and just whooped the crowd up into a frenzy. Whoop them all up into a big frenzy. And, you know, shout and holler and preach and just whoop them all up into a big frenzy. And then pr- lay hands on all kinds of people. Lay hands on hundreds and hundreds of people. Hundreds and hundreds of people. Get everybody excited and all worked up. Then it's all over with. And then the whole thing calms down. And she said that she went with some others and began to go to all the people that had been prayed over. Out of, out of the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that had been prayed over, they could not find even ten people who had been healed. She said, I will never do such things by the grace of God. Well, why when she would come in and, mo- and minister... Not just minister the word, okay? Not just preach the word, but also touch the people. Or allow the spirit to move upon the people. Why is there a difference? Well, she said, she said, you know, you you have to die. You have to be willing to die. It's not a one-time experience. Tasting, this tasting of the cross, the tasting of death is not a one-time experience. But I believe the Lord pulls us in sometimes by we see others they're blessed and we say we want that and God says you can have it too just take up your cross and follow me I'll lead you the same way I'll show you the same way they came in same door it's the cross it's where the power's at praise the Lord hallelujah glory to God Lord we just give you praise today I I believe that the Lord right now by the Holy Spirit is showing you the things that you need to taste of more The taste of death. The things that the fleshly nature is repelled of. I don't like that. That's probably the very thing you need to be tasting of. Praise God. Hallelujah. We need the full gospel. We need the full gospel. Praise God. Father, we just give you praise and glory today. Lord, we just give you praise. Hallelujah. I believe that the kingdom of God... Demonstrate it with power is manifested in your life. Hmm. Praise the Lord. Do we stop and think about the things that we do? There was a certain church singing a certain song. The song is um I think it was called I Am Free to Run. Through you the eye, the the blind will see, through you the deaf will hear. And I am free to run. And you know, you know the, the chorus of the song. But yet the people singing the song, they, they sing it, and nobody ever gets healed of anything. Why? Because we like to sing about it. We'll talk about it. We'll do everything but demonstrate it. That creates an inner frustration. That creates moments where you say, Lord, you know, is it even, even, even real? That's why, that's why people go into the doctrine or the theology of cessationism. In other words, the the gifts have ceased. Why? Because they ceased in their life for certain reasons, not because God ever stopped it, but because they disconnected from the power. And so they just create a a doctrine or a theology that lines up not with the word, but with their experience. Mmm, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But I believe this is what's good. I believe that the kingdom of God in these last days is coming forth with such power that the more we see it, the more we say, Lord, let me be in on this. Lord, let me be involved. And the way that you get involved is by going to the cross, and you take up your cross, and you walk with it daily. I'm not talking about literally carrying a cross around. Unless, of course, you're Arthur blessed, and God told you to do that. Praise the Lord. But that, my friends, is how you taste death. And I think there's still some, just like Jesus, even though I'm preaching this, there are some who will still not taste death until they see it. They need to see it. They need to see you and me and other believers so blessed who were walking with the Lord, taking up the cross, dying daily, that they finally say, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm coming in. I'm laying down the cigarettes. I'm laying down my whiskey. I've been trying to be a Christian and over here I'm drinking whiskey and, and I'm, I'm doing, i got all kinds of yucky stuff that I'm doing in private. I want to start living for the Lord. I want to start what? Tasting death. You'll do that when you see the power of God. But I would say, go now with the Lord. Taste now. And that kingdom will continue to expand and increase in you. And you will be a blessing. I'll say it like this. You will be a blessing that others can be righteously envy of. In other words, you're an inspiration. And they say, I'm coming that way too. I'm coming that way too. And I'll, I'll pay the price because I'll see that it's worth it. Praise God. Hallelujah. The message of the cross is returning to the church. Why? It's the source of the power. Lift your hands. Father, we give you praise. We give you glory. Father, there's some people right now that are on the edge of selling out. They like some things in the world, and they know it's holding them back. Lord, let them sell out. Don't let them be like the rich young ruler. Mm, Let them sell out and go all the way with you. Now, we thank you, Father God. Let them go all the way with you today. Let the commitment be made. And we thank you, Father God, that the power of the kingdom will come quickly surging into their life. And they'll be so glad. You're going to make them the happiest people on the earth. Thank you, Father God. In the name of Jesus, amen. Don't ever feel sad for missionaries. Don't ever feel bad for apostles. Even as Paul said, we're the scum of the earth. (laughs) Who who are the darlings of heaven? Mm. Who are the ones in heaven that shine brighter? There, there, There are different degrees of illumination. Who are the ones in heaven that are looked at with esteem? The ones that sold out completely for God while they're here on the earth. Mm. May that be you. We're living for his glory. We're living for the expansion of his kingdom. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's take communion. Let's seal this word today with holy communion. Grab some grape juice and some unleavened bread. Praise God. Hmm. Hallelujah. Glory to God. There are some, you're listening to me in parts of the world, of of the Middle East particularly, where you're selling out, could mean martyrdom, could mean the end of your life. I can't say I face that. We do face persecution here, being made fun of. The, the culture of America right now hates what's holy. What's perverted and what's sick and what's diabolical is celebrated. And what's upright and clean and pure, the, the American uh, culture laughs at it and scoffs at it. Ah, God's going to do a work in America. I believe a spiritual awakening has come to America. But there are some of you watching me, particularly in the Middle East, where your full commitment could mean even the loss of your life. Hmm. Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Praise the Lord. Draw the line in the sand and cross over. Choose this day who you will serve. Praise God. <laughs> Mm. if God has martyrdom in my destiny I don't fear it no I'm not going to do something stupid I could get martyred I could get on a plane and 36 hours be dead I know places I could go that if I got off the plane in certain countries and said Jesus is Lord it's it's over with within a few minutes but that's that's just being stupid that's not the Holy Spirit leading me into it you see what I'm saying hallelujah but what God has for you, be willing to embrace the cross at any cost. Let's take communion. Father, we thank you for the, for the bread, the juice. We consecrate it. We bless it it's now the flesh and the blood of Jesus. Father, release your power. Release your power into the hearts of your people that are opening their hearts with full surrender. Release your in time power. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. We receive the body of Christ now. Let's receive. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. Hmm. We give you praise. We give you praise. We give you praise. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. We give you praise. Thank you, Father. Let your heart be fully committed to the Lord. Father, we give you praise. We now receive the blood of Jesus. When you drink it, go all the way with the Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's receive. Praise God. I believe anything less is unacceptable. I believe anything less can get you in a place of compromise where where you don't want to ever go there. Praise God. Fully commit to the Lord. Fully commit to the Lord. Receive your full reward that's awaiting you when you cross over. Don't ever back off. Push further into the heart of God. Heavenly Father, I speak blessing over your people that they are more than conquerors, that nothing can ever separate them from your love. That you hold them in the palm of your hand and you're raising them up into the fullness of their destiny and of their high calling and they will shine like stars in the heavenlies and they'll be so glad that they forsook all to follow you we thank you father that even in this life you are giving them 30 fold 60 fold and a hundred fold we thank you father God in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus Amen and amen. God bless you. I'll see you back next time. Bye bye. For more information about the ministry of Apostle Stephen Brooks, visit our website at stephenbrooks.org.